listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heartsease Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, are you there? Said amen. Amen. It says these words, Blessed be the God and the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. But where is that blessing? It is in Christ. It is in Christ. Christ. New Living Translation says, Now we praise God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we belong to Christ. Or literally, we are in Christ. The the Message Bible says this to the last part of that verse. It says, And takes us to the high places of blessing in Him. Let's read on if we would and let's jump to verse chapter 6. And it says this, or verse chapter 6. What was that? Verse 6. I'll have Mr. Huss correcting me again and he's not even here. Verse 6. It says this. By which he made us. Literally, he bestowed his grace and favor upon us is what that means. And accepted us in the beloved. Notice again, it says, in Him, in God, in Christ. Jump down to verse 11, and it says this, in in Him. Thank you, someone's paying attention tonight. In Him also we have obtained an inheritance. Thank God it's in Him. Come on, it's not in me, it's not in you, but it's in God. And everyone said... Thank God. In him we have attained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Listen to what verse 11 says in the Message Bible. You know, some people get hung up on the Message Bible. They don't care for the translation. They think it skips out a lot of stuff. You know what? It's not a translation that I personally choose to read on a regular basis. But sometimes when I'm studying the Word of God and I look, I look at different translations and I look how they present things and how they say things and I like how it says it. And it says this, It is Christ, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Let me say that one more time. I like that. That it's in Christ, in Him, There's an inheritance, the King James Version says. But the message says, in Christ, there is the inheritance. But what is that inheritance? We find out who we are, our identity, and what we are living for, our purpose. 
in him we find identity and purpose. When we find identity and purpose, we'll find security. We'll find what we need in him. Say with me these words. My identity and purpose is in Christ. Say that with me. My identity and purpose is in Christ. Come on, I want you to say that again. Come on. My identity and purpose is in Christ. One more time. My identity and purpose is in Christ. We need to get that into our spirit. Repetition, they say, is one of the best forms of learning. And we need to get that. Listen to verse 9 and 10 from the Message Bible. It says this. He thought of everything. I'm glad that I serve a God that thinks of everything. That means that with confidence I can place my life in his trust. Why? Because he's thought of everything. We can think of everything and we can try to dot every I and cross every T. But how many have put so much work and planning and everything into something and on the day just everything wasn't quite what you thought it was going to be? Come on, we can put everything in place, but circumstances and situations change. But circumstances and situations don't change on God. God's not surprised. He's not, oh, oh no, what are we going to do? He's not panicked. He's not stressing out. Come on. Come on, you and I are too blessed to be stressed. Come on. Come on, we're too anointed to be disappointed. Come on, we are chosen. How do we know this? Because he has thought of everything. Come on, just say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You just thought of everything. Listen to what it says. He thought of everything, providing for everything we could possibly need. Letting us in on the plans that he took such delight in making. He set it all up before us in Christ. There's those words again, Miss Emma. In him. In Christ. He set up a long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him. I like those words, summed up. In him. The sum total of our lives, therefore, must be completely according to him. You know what our identity has become? You know where our securities have been found? Too often in what we do. Too often in our achievements. Come on, too often in who we are. Too often in those around us, in others. Come on, that's where we've placed our identity. That's where we've looked for security. But the Bible tells us that true identity and security can be found only in him. In him. In him. In him. We can be found in him. But how can I have identity? How can I have security in him? Through relationship. Through just loving him. Through living in him. Sunday we talked about insecurity in great depth. But I want to sum up what we talked about in Sunday in one statement. Can I do that? Let me sum up the whole message of insecurity in one statement in this. Insecurity tries to rob you from, from knowing who you are in Christ. Let me say that one more time. Insecurity tries to rob you and I from knowing who we are in Christ. 
from knowing who we are in Christ. And therefore, in doing so, it steals our identity, my worth and my purpose. Insecurity wants to steal me from the identity that I have in him. Today, we hear around us the constant threat of identity theft. People are worried. People have had their identity stolen, whether it's their social security numbers or, or just different things. I remember Jean, when she worked with me in the office here, she was sent an email from her bank and it was all on official letterhead or whatever on paper. And she thought it was her bank and they were saying that someone had tried to tamper into her accounts and, uh, and her accounts were all going to be shut down and all her assets and everything was going to be frozen if she didn't right now reply and give new um, passwords and account numbers and all these different things. And if she didn't do that right now, everything would be shut down and the hassle, so do this quickly and everything would be okay. She did it. And found out that someone had stolen her identity. Someone had stolen her identity. It took her days and days of calling people, cancelling credit cards, changing things and situations because someone had stolen her Identity. Millions are being spent right now to help fight this. But no matter how much is being spent, the risk is still high. That you and I, each one of us, are at risk of our identity being stolen. Satan wants to steal your identity. Come on, he wants to take you from being in Christ. He wants to take you from the one that has everything planned and prepared and has everything you need. He wants to take your identity out of that. He wants to steal you away. Why? Because he knows what God's word says about us. He knows that God's word defines us with great future and hope. Just read the Bible and put yourself into the words of God. Put yourself into there when God speaks about you being special and royalty and chosen. Put yourself in there when the Bible speaks about all these future and hopes and the plans and, and the futures and the setup. Put your family and you in there because you can, because God is speaking those words into you and I's life. But what Satan wants to do is take us out of those things to make us believe, how can I trust in that? Makes us insecure, makes us doubt, makes us question. And what? Removes us from placing our faith and hope and trust in Christ, where our security is. Our future, your future, is in Christ. Acts 17 verse 28 says these words, in him we live. And move and have our very being. Where is it? It's not in me. It's not in my ability. It's not in my education. It's not in my title. It's not where I come from. It's not in my achievements. It's not in the people I surround myself with. All those things are important and all those things are good. But the reality is those things come to an end. But there's one who has no end and one who has no beginning. And that's in him where I need to place my life. New Living Translation says of Acts 17, 28, For in him we live, we move, 
and we exist. I like that. Our future, your future is in Christ. It's according to Him. But you know what? You and I must know then who He is. Isn't it sad that church is full of people who have perhaps come for years and years but don't really know God? They know of Him, but they don't know in Him. Come on, they have a religious relationship, but they fail to have a living, breathing, everyday, intimate relationship with Him. Come on, what is your relationship with God? Is it just something that is based on rituals and laws and all these things? Or is it just a relationship where you can just fall down and just wherever you're at say, God, you're awesome. God, I just love you. God, you're so good to me. We want so often... To be given the secret password, I call it. That secret password to know in him that we can have direct access. People say that to me all the time. Well, Pastor Philip, how can I do this? And, and how can I just know God? And, and they want us just to, just to turn to a scripture and then they read it. And wow, bam, they just know him. And, and oh, life is absolutely incredible. You know, we, we've got so guilty of just wanting everything for nothing. Come on, we don't want to put any sweat. We don't want to put any toil. We don't want to put any effort. We just want to sit there as obese Christians and just want God just to fill us and give us more and give us more. And then we scratch our heads when trials and tribulations come and we find ourselves doubting God. Because then we begin to realize we don't really know Him. Because if we really knew Him, we would trust in Him. We would have faith in Him. We would have comfort in Him. So we want that secret password. You know what? There is no secret password to knowing God. There is no easy way to know God. The way that we get to know God, it comes through time. It comes through commitment. It comes comes through investment. It comes through a total giving of self. It comes through someone that says, you know what? I am going to begin to find God. I'm going to know God all for myself. I'm not going to trust what this person says or that person. God, I want to know you for myself. It takes time. People want to know God. Well, read his words. It's a love book to you. It's a love letter to you. You want to know God? Read His Word. Some people say, well, I haven't heard from God lately. Well, read God. If you want to know Him, read Him. You'll see His heart in here. You'll know the things He'll do. You know, a lot of times we do things and and we, we don't even know many times that they're perhaps wrong because we don't know the truth. So we don't have it in our lives. I'm so tired of people just wanting to come to the altar and say, God, I give you my life. Now fix every problem I've got and I'll just sit back and wait on you. Does he save you instantly? Oh, you'll never be any more saved than the day you gave your life to Christ. But you know what? That knowledge of knowing him and trusting him and building that comes as we commit our lives to the cause, as we read God's word, as we pray, as we study to show ourselves approved. Come on, our security and identity must be in him. And as a result, it will change the entire outcome of our lives. Tonight, quickly, I want to give you seven points. 
just really quickly, I want to give you seven points, or let's call them maybe signs, seven signs or points to see if your security and your identity is in the right place. Because we want to make sure it's in him. We want to make sure that your security and identity is in him. Point number one. If your security and identity is in Christ, you don't have to tear others down to build yourself up. Now, these are practical things tonight, but I like practical Christianity too, because I think we get too spiritual sometimes, that we get too heavenly minded that the Bible says that we become no earthly good. I don't live on my knees. I can't live on my knees. But I live in an attitude of prayer. It's a big difference. But I allow the word to be practically living outside of me. And in everything I do, I live according to God. So if my identity and security is in Christ, I'm not having to demote others in order to promote myself. You see it all around us today in every field of life. Politicians today never really tell you how good they are. They just tell you how bad the other candidate they're up against really is. They never really tell you that they're the one that you need. They just tell you that he's the one that you definitely don't need. Come on. Instead of really pushing themselves. I remember when I worked for BMW. My uncle owned a BMW dealership. Actually owned 21 dealerships. And um, some of you met my uncle Graham. And he owned BMW. He owned um, Land Rover. He owned Porsche. Mercedes. He had 21 car dealerships. And I worked with him for a while. And I remember one of the training sessions that they put us through as as salesmen. And they told us this. We're a classy organization. They said, the product we have can stand against anything else. They said, so what we don't need you to do is, if Joe Bloggs comes in off the street and says, I was just at Jaguar, or I was just at Mercedes-Benz, and I was looking at their cars, they taught us, never say, well, their cars are junk. These cars are better. Because they taught us, the reality is, those cars aren't junk. They're really good cars. But what they, taught us, what they taught us was to show them what made BMW better. We didn't put down them, but we just showed them what made BMW better. The features that BMW had that they didn't have. Just all the, the, all the bells and whistles that BMW had that they did. They taught us never put another company down because they'll know you're lying first and foremost because they're good cars. But they taught us, show them why your car is better. We need to live our lives by that. Instead of putting someone else down, think about it. Look at it this way. This is me. This is Roxanne. So in order to make myself look better, I put Roxanne down. Now, I'm feeling really good about myself because I'm feeling that I'm better. Should have done it the other way, shouldn't I? Because my hand, this is me and this is Roxanne. There you go, because I'm like screaming in the mic. This is me, this is Roxanne. So I put Roxanne down. And I'm thinking, look at me, I'm really good because look how high I am. How much have I moved? I haven't moved at all. In fact, the reality is if I have moved, I've probably moved in the wrong direction. And I've gone the wrong way. You see, instead of building ourselves, we put others down to make ourselves appear 
to be bigger. Notice the word I said there, appear to be bigger, because that's all it is. It's an appearance that we're bigger because we haven't moved. We haven't changed. You see, when we're trying to find identity in anything else, there will not be great change in our lives. They'll be probably stagnant. We'll probably stay where we're at. But you know what they say? If we stay where we're at, we're really fallen miles behind. But you see, when our identity is in Christ, we don't have to push others down to find satisfaction in ourselves. You know, one thing I've learned is this, and I want to give you all a reality check tonight. Is that cool? Let's have a reality check. The reality check is this. When I try to put other people down, it's never really about them. The problem is really with me. Because if I have to put them down, there's a a need inside of me to feel that I need to be better. And why is that? Because I'm striving to find my own identity in myself. You see, when my identity is in him, is in Christ, I don't have to push people down to make myself any better. Why? Because God makes me feel good. God changes me. He transforms me. He does a work inside of me and he builds me. We talked about this last week, justification, comparing yourself instead of repairing yourself. We love that, don't we? We love to compare ourselves instead of repairing ourselves. How do we repair ourselves? In him. You're going to be sick of those words by the time you leave tonight. You're going to wake up in the middle of the night going, in him, in him, in him. Oh, I can't believe Philip said it. I want to get it into your spirit. I want to get it into your being. If that's the story of your life, what? Putting others down to make yourself. If that's the story of your life, you're getting your security from something or someone other than Christ. Ephesians 4 verse 32, don't turn there, but just listen. It says these words, be kind to one another, tender-hearting, forgiving one another, even as Christ forgave you. In other words, God is saying here, or Jesus is saying, the way that I lived, in other words, follow my lead. Be nice, be kind. Tearing other people down and pushing them down to make yourself look better will never be kind and will never be nice. It's never God's way. And you'll never find security in that. You'll know that you are secure. You'll know that your identity is in Christ. When number two, when you don't have to constantly prove yourself to others. So many people live at the mercy of others trying to please everyone. That in the process of doing that, they lose their identity of really who they are. They become this and that for this person and that person that they lose their true identity of really who they are. I've seen so many people who have maybe fallen so short in man's eyes, they've maybe sinned. And there was a particular case where a guy had been locked up and he was imprisoned and he was away from his family for about eight, ten years. And he came back and he was trying everything within his power to prove to his family he had changed, that he was trying so hard, trying so hard that he was screwing up. I said to him one day, listen to me, you're doing it all wrong. You're trying to find or you're trying to prove to your family that everything's okay by the right things that you do. And actions are good. But I said, where are those actions coming from is where you need to focus in on. Because it's the heart, isn't it? It's a heart issue. I said, when your heart is right and your security is in Christ, you won't have to prove to anyone. Why? Because it will be proof itself. Will be proof itself. So it's not trying to prove myself. It's not trying to live a certain way just to be, oh, if I'm doing that, my insecurities 
And my identity is not in Christ. My security is not in Him. It's not improving, but it's in living. Come on, write that down. It's not improving, but it's in living. Living where? Living in His Word. Trusting in God, in His instruction. Because in trying to prove myself, I sometimes can fail to live in God's Word. And in living in God's Word, that will be proof enough in itself. God never called us to live double standard lives. You see, my identity determines the convictions I live by. That's why I need to get in God's word. That's why I need my identity to be in him. Because when it's in him, I'll live by his convictions. I'll live by his standards. And living by godly convictions, others are going to see the change that's taken place in me. You and I will never please everyone. But that's why God called us not to live like that. But he said in Colossians 3 verse 22, Bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleases, but in sincerity of heart, fearing or pleasing God. Say not to man, but to God. Being pleasing to God must be our desire. When we get to that place, everything will fall in its place. So if my security and my identity is in Christ, then number three, I will be a person who forgets and forgives. One who doesn't hold on to unforgiveness. Luke 12, verse 48, the middle part of that verse says these words, For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. I want to use that verse in the thought of forgiveness. To whom much forgiveness has been given, much forgiveness will now be required. Grace, giving, yielding. Being understanding to others. Unforgiveness will consume you and destroy you. You know, in life, you'll have wrong things done to you. You know, no matter how good you try to be and what you do, you're going to have some wrong things done to you. And you know what? Some of us deserve everything that we get because some of it's the result of our doing. And everyone said, Amen. But you know what? Some stuff is not our fault. Plain and simply not our fault. I'm not going to go into detail, but there's been a lot of things since we've started a church that have come down against me. You know what? It hasn't been my fault. Just wrong things been done to me. But you know what? If my security is in Christ, I know what it is to forget and forgive. If my security and identity is in Christ, I know how to forget and to forgive. You see, I can't control, Daryl, what people do to me, but I can control my response to their actions. If my identity is in anything else apart from Christ, Roxanne, my response is going to be wrong. Because I'm going to respond according to the flesh. Because if I'm not in Him, that's the only other choice I have. Come on, we're preaching tonight. We're teaching you tonight. David never once pulled the spear out of a wall that was thrown to kill him by Saul. David never once pulled a spear out and threw it back at Saul. Did he have every right to? Maybe. 
He recognized that was the anointed of God and he wasn't going to touch them. But was there times that he probably wanted to take that spear out of the wall and throw it back? I'm sure there probably was. But listen to this. David looked at that spear in the wall and walked away. Why? Because he trusted in God. His trust wasn't in a spear. Remember what he said to Goliath? You come to me with a sword. You come to me with a spear. He said, where do I come? He says, I come to you in the name. He realized his trust was in God. He didn't want to place his trust in a spear because as he took that spear into his hand, he was taking back his identity from Christ. And he was putting it upon himself. Listen, David did not hold his future in his hands. Because when he held it in his hands, he took his future out of God's hands. That's what we do when we choose not to forgive. We take our future into our hands. We're going to be the ones. We'll show them. We'll prove to them. The Bible says, God says, vengeance is mine. God says, I'll take care of business. I'll handle stuff. But you know what? We wonder why God's not. It's because our hands are on the spear. Our hands are holding on. Come on, when our identity is in Christ, we'll let go and trust in God. We may not know why the spears are coming, but thank God he's given us the speed and the agility to avoid them. And he's given us the grace to keep on living. When your identity is in Christ in him, You'll move on because your identity is not in others. Four words. Are you ready? Forgiveness is your responsibility. End of story. Forgiveness is your responsibility. End of story. Oh, but pastor, end of story. Forgiveness is your responsibility. How do we know that? Because God's word says that. I know I'm secure. I know that my identity is in Christ when talented people are an inspiration and not a threat. Think about that for a second. We struggle with this one. It's amazing how many people cannot handle other people's success. You know why? Because here's the deal. When we see someone else being a success, you know what screams back? Or do you know what their success so often through insecurity spells back to us? Failure. Our failure. Because we think to ourselves, well, how come they're successful and what about me? So what are we saying? In looking at them and in not praising them and rejoicing with them over their success, but yet saying, what's the deal? Why them? You know what we're saying? We're really admitting the fact Or looking and saying, it's failure in me. I want to live in such a way that people who are talented, who are gifted, people who have success in life, I want to live in such a way that people like that inspire me. Inspire me. Instead of me looking grudgingly, I want to look and say, well, that's awesome. If God can do it for them, then I know I'm a sure candidate. I can be inspired by their success. I can be blessed by their success. I can be encouraged by their success. I don't want to get bent out of shape. Come on, you know what it is to get bent out of shape. Oh, that should have been mine. How dare they get that promotion? That should have been mine. 
Well, obviously not. Because if you know God, the Bible says he's the, mount, he's the one that promotes. Come on, that's what the word of God says. God says, I'm the one that promotes. I'm the one that will elevate. I'm the one that's lifted up. He says, watch, you don't go into that marriage supper and sit at that top table and be asked to step down. You sit in that lowly place and you let me promote you. You let me lift you up. Come on, God's the promoter. It's not your boss. It's God that's the one that's going to promote you and I. It's God, the Bible says, that brings the increase. But listen to me. Don't sit back and say, well, God's going to promote me. Hey, listen, God don't promote trash. God don't promote people who aren't being good stewards with what they already have. Because God also says that if you're not faithful in the little things, then how could you ever expect to have the greater things? If you can't be faithful, you know, so many times people get so upset that other people were chosen for promotion before them. And I have to ask myself, well, if you've been skipped over three or four times, then maybe you better start doing some soul searching. Because there may be a reason why you're being overlooked. Maybe there's things that need to change. Come on, you and I need to live in such a way, having our identity in Christ, that when promotion comes, we will not be overlooked. Come on, because when our identity is in Christ, Roxanne, we'll be the greatest worker our employees have. Employers have. We'll be the greatest employee. Why? Because we'll know what it is. Whatever our hands find to do, we're going to do it with all our might. Why? Because I know God, and that's what God asks of me and asks of you. You went quiet with that. Number five, I know that my identity, I know that my security is in Christ. When? I know how to take the negatives of life and turn them around to positives. How many have heard of Joyce Myers? Joyce Myers is an incredible lady. She has an incredible ministry. Her ministry is predominantly two females. But she has a tremendous word of encouragement to women. But you know what she very openly talks about in her services and in her meetings as a child that she was sexually abused by her father, I believe it was. She talks about the struggles that she went through for years and years. But you know what she has done? She has taken that which Satan meant for her demise. She has learned to take that which is negative. Why? Because her identity is not in that stuff. But her identity is in Christ. And therefore, because her identity and security is in Christ, she can take those negative things and she can turn them around to a positive. A lady who was molested, a lady who was sexually abused, is now touching hundreds of thousands of people with the gospel. Why? Because she took that which was negative. Turned it around for that which is positive. You see, we've got to refuse to allow the negative to reign and turn it into a positive. Why? Because we can give hope through those things in our lives to other people. Look at Joseph in the Bible. He's a star. Isn't Joseph incredible? He had every reason to lose his identity. Why? Because they weren't his dreams. He dreamt those dreams, but they weren't his dreams. God gave him those dreams. And as a result of a God-given dream, he was persecuted, he was knocked down, and he suffered, and he suffered again. But notice every time Joseph came up to the top. Why? Because his identity was not in him. His identity was in Christ. You may say, well, it doesn't say that. I'm telling you, his identity was in Christ because that's the only way he could have come to the top through all those circumstances and situations. There is no other way. 
He could have maybe faked it through the first time, Daryl, but the second and third time, come on, it was a little bit harder. Come on, come on, come on. It's in him. We can only do that when our identity and security is in Christ, knowing who we are in him. Stop allowing the circumstances of your life to be a crutch. Because do you realize that when you allow the circumstances of your life to be a crutch, in doing so you omit the fact that you're crippled and and disabled? Think about that. If you're leaning on a crutch, what you're saying is, I'm crippled and I'm disabled. That's what you're saying. Oh, no, it's just an excuse. No, you're admitting the fact that you're crippled and disabled. That's not your identity in Christ. Come on, that's not who you are in Christ. A well person doesn't need a crutch, but one who's broken and needs help. Remember what we talked about in Ephesians 1 verse 10, that everything brought together and summed up in him. Are you ready for two more really quick? I'm almost finished. You're in security, your security rather, and your identity is in Christ when your private world and your public world are the same. For so many, there's such a big gap between their private world and their public world. It's a character flaw. One of the greatest definitions I've ever heard of character is what you are in the dark when no one else is watching. It's easy, isn't it, in church to praise the Lord? It's easy in church to say everything's going good and then we step out here, curse out our kids. Live every which way we want to and then we come back on Sunday and try and bless God again. The Bible speaks about that in James. It says, blessing and cursing comes out from the same lips. These things ought not to be so. These things are not right, I believe the New Living Translation says. Gandhi was once asked this question. How can Christianity become more effective and accepted in India? His reply was this. I would suggest first that all you Christians begin to live more like Christ. How can Christianity be more successful in India? And he said, well, I would suggest first that you Christians begin to live more like Christ. Think about that. How many people don't want to be a Christian because of the life of you who is a Christian? Because your private and your public lives and worlds are so different. You see, when your identity is in Christ, you won't live a double standard life. Come on, you won't live a double standard life. Do people want to be like you? Come on, have you asked yourself the question, do people want to be like you? But I want to go one step further back and that's, do people want to be like you? But is it because they want to be like what you portray or do they want to be like what you are? Come on, what we portray so many times is so different to what we are. Say, ouch. Stepping on some toes. Nearly finished. Your, secure, your identity and security is in Christ when number seven. You can enjoy the power of intimacy. You can have closeness and relationships. One of the greatest things that you will find in people who are insecure and have no identities in Christ is they struggle to get close to people. They struggle to have lasting relationships. They struggle to have that realm of intimacy. Why? Because insecurity will push people away. Why? It's afraid of getting people too close. 
Security and identity attracts people to itself. So when your identity is in Christ, you'll be more attractive. And listen to this, you'll attract the right things. It's a question for you. Is what's inside of me repelling others? If stuff is not right within me, then how am I going to be able to function and work with other people? If you can't accept the fact that you love yourself, you'll never accept the fact that someone's telling you they love you. Well, you weren't quiet on that one. If you can't accept the fact that you love yourself, you will never accept the fact that someone else has told you that they love you. But you see, when your identity is in Christ, you'll know that you're loved. When your identity is in Christ, you'll be able to receive that love. Psalms 139 verse 1, it says, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. God knows you. He searched you. You have known my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts are far off. Listen to this. You comprehend my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. One translation says this. You are intimately acquainted with all my ways. You see, intimacy is not just with other people. Intimacy is also with God. That when our identity is not in Christ, we'll struggle to have a relationship with him as well as relationship with other people. We need to know God. And we don't need to know God as we think God. We need to know God as God's word says, that when a man went in, he knew his wife. What did that mean? That he knew every part of her because two became one. That joining together, that act of intimacy. We need to know God and have our identity in Him that there can be intimacy with God. The poor choices we make in relationships are because of having no identity and security in Christ. People say this all the time. Why do I always attract the wrong people? What's wrong with me? You got the wrong identity. You got the wrong identity. But is it a question, are you really attracting the wrong people or are the wrong people attracted to you? You may say, well, it's the same thing. No, remember this, water always finds its own level. If everyone comes and gossips to you, this is off the chart, but it's good stuff. If someone comes to gossip to you, it's because they know you're a gossiper. Someone comes to complain to you, they know you're a complainer. If all these negative people are coming and all this trash is coming and you're like, what is the deal? Is there any good women or any good men out there? Why are all these things attracted to me? You better perhaps start looking at self because they're perhaps attracted to something they see in you that they identify with. Once you place your identity in Christ, let me tell you something, you'll begin to attract other people to your life because your life will change. Knowing God, having your identity, security in Him, Come on, you'll be able to embrace and accept intimacy. One last scripture before I close. Don't turn there, listen to it. 1 John 4 verse 8 says, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. If you can't have intimacy and closeness in relationships, the Bible says if you can't love, it's because you don't know God. Because God is love. These issues we are dealing with, these issues that we face, listen, are the result of us placing our identity and security in everything else except God. Come on, say it with me, in Him. In Him. In Him. 
in him is where we will find the security we need of our lives. And we will find our identity in Christ. Come on, it's in him. It's in him. It's in him. Would you stand to your feet? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.